Love it. Love, love, love our team. I love the heart they put behind that. Um, again, um, you probably don't remember me. I'm Scott Harris, the lead pastor, right? <laughs> it's funny when I scheduled a service, you know, you do these parts and I was, you know, getting ready for this week. I said, oh no, I'm kind of up twice. I don't usually like to do that, so you know. So um, you are going to get uh, a double blessing because of your perseverance, uh, right? You got to listen to me twice. Uh, but I am excited to be here, uh, excited for both messages. Um, I just got to make sure they don't get confused. Uh, so we're going to need some prayer, okay? So I'm going to invite you to stand right now, okay? Because we're, we're going to ask for a special prayer that uh, Scott would be with the, uh, or God would be with the pastor to keep his uh, mind clear. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, it's our earnest prayer. We have come here for one thing. We want to see Jesus. And God, uh, each of us take that seriously. So I pray that you will speak Jesus through me. I pray you be for to the listener and they will hear Jesus. And God, would you transform and change us into your likeness. We want to be like Jesus. So do your good work. Don't leave us the same. This is your moment and we surrender it to you. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Um, if you do not own a Bible, this Bible, I don't see Bibles back there. They will come. That's okay. I'll tell you when they're coming. Don't worry, ushers. When they come, I'll, I'll get to. They already did it? Man, they're good. All right, come on. So you know you're in trouble already, just so you know. Just a little thing I missed. No big deal, okay. Um, oh, Lord, be with it. Let's stand and pray again, okay. Uh, uh, and, and here's the problem. I'm just going to warn you. This topic I'm going to talk about uh, is a deep, deep passion of mine. And that might sound good to you, but there are a lot of words and a lot of excitement that I got to say, okay, God, okay, God. Um, and so uh, it'll, be, it'll be good, right? Trust in you, Jesus. Um, so I'm going to test you, right? Today's the day of test right here. We've been talking as we get into this series, Welcome to North Shore, right? We have um, been talking about our vision and our vision path, okay? So um, let's do a little test. Our vision here at North Shore uh, is to see our communities. Nice, change. Uh, will this progress? Let's see if I, I, thought, I thought we uh, can you, is the answer the next one? Is it progressive or not? Maybe it's not. Can you stay with me? If it is, great. Um, to see our communities change, you got it right. Um, through hope in? Jesus, come on, right? The only hope for all of humanity. Uh, through hope in Jesus, one person. It's about people, not about programs, not about buildings, nothing. It's about Jesus. Uh, Jesus' word, Jesus' revelation to us, uh, Jesus' work on the cross, it's all about him to a person, to a person. And we believe when Jesus comes in, he changes things, right? He does not leave things the same. Um, and so we love it. Uh, so our vision is to see our communities change to hope in Jesus one person at a time. And how we're going to get there, Pat uh, took the uh, first three quarters of this vision path. Is how are we going to get to there? First thing is we're going to passionately pursue Jesus. We're going to go after him. Right? And that me, might be for you is I didn't even know him. I'm just like, great, you know, passion starts with just a discovery, understanding, knowing about him, right? And then growing into a full heart life commitment, right? To passionately pursue him, right? And it's to uh, radically love one another, right? Love is what has been done to us and his love is what we need to do to others. And it's not a simple or common love, it's radical. It is a head-turning kind of love that we're called to because that's what's been done to us. And then third, we talked about compassionately. Putting that, those emotions, feelings, love into action by serving our neighbors, right? And our neighbors are the people that are not with us uh, and they're not like us. And that's a whole list of different things that is different called to compassionately serve them. And it moves us into uh, the last vision path. And I wanted to take some time in it because you hear all about uh, discipleship. 
here at North Shore. So I just wanted to walk through it a bit slower. So I gave it just one message. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Matthew 28. Uh, Matthew 28 will be about three different places in Scripture, but uh, should be able to guide you to that. And we're going to look at relationally discipling all people. Relationally discipling all people. Okay, and as we look at discipleship, I want to look at biblical discipleship, right? We're only interested in making uh, disciples as Scripture calls and tells us. So we're going to look at Scriptures and what does it say about it. And Matthew 28 is uh, one of the key verses, but it's uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20 is something uh, that we call and refer to as a great commission by Jesus. And... Where this is given is Jesus is after his resurrection and just before he's going to ascend back into heaven, right? Right before uh, the Holy Spirit will come and the church will begin. So he's, it, it, it's his last command, right? His last command. Okay, here we go. Uh, and he's going to tell them to do something. Okay, let's read it. And now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And verse 19 is really that, that, that verse that nails it, the command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, okay? So uh, we're going to look at Matthew 28 and, and primarily verse uh, 19 there uh, is this great commission. Uh, first we have to, I'm gonna get a little uh, grammar weird. So some of you are like, uh, you know, some of you are like, oh, well, you know, you'll dive on this, right? So I'm kind of trying to meet in the middle. But as you look at uh, the grammar in uh, verse 19 from the Greek, um, there is something called an imperative in there, okay? And it's an imperative verb. And what that means, it's a, uh, it's a command. You're being told to do this thing. And what the imperative verb in here uh, from Jesus is make disciples. Make disciples. So what he's going to tell them uh, is I'm going to leave and here's what you need to be about. You need to be about making disciples. And then he gives some participles, okay? These are the things you are doing uh, while you're doing what you're commanded to do. Uh, and generally, you can identify those in, in the English with the ending ing, you know, teaching, right? Baptizing, you know, these things that we're going to do in making disciples uh, to, to, to disciple people. But there's a, a, a word in there that's funny. I mean, and some of you will do this. It is this challenging word, right? One of the uh, duties of us to get up here is how do we take something and process it and give it out in its balance? Uh, but it's the word go. And I believe this, okay? And there's some that disagree, some that agree. But I think the best way to understand that word go um, is as an imperative participle. Okay, an imperative participle, mean uh, it would be better translated as you are going. So you are commanded to move from where you are. Um, but in that, uh, you are participling <laughs> uh, as you are going. As you're doing life, you're obeying this command for movement toward the imperative verb of making disciples. So it would be understood for us in this context, as we are living out the daily life that God has for us, that he's called us into, that he's commanded us to, your job, your family, all these things that you say God's called me to do these things, your hobbies, your interests, um, the communities you keep. As you're doing those things, make disciples. A command. So the thing with this, when we talk about discipleship, why would I put it in its own message? Because it is a command of God for us to do. It's not an option. Right? It's not an option. Yeah. Why is it so pivotal here at North Shore? 
because Jesus commanded it. Who are we about here? So if he says to do it, what are we going to do? We're going to do it, right? And he makes an imperative command, uh, an imperative participle. As you are going, doing your thing, make disciples. Uh, and it is a current thing, you know, because you'll see this, well, that was for them and now we're in some new phase. Not true, not true at all, okay? So uh, you look how this ends in verse 20. And I will be with you till the end of the age. How long did he anticipate they would be obeying this command? Uh, in the end of the age, if you don't understand that, that is when uh, the church age that we're currently in um, ends when the, uh, Jesus returns. So it's right now. And to confirm this, um, we can look back to Jesus' prayer uh, in uh, the garden in John 17. And I'll just give you a couple of verses. So just track with me, just to reinforce this idea that it is a current command for us today. In John 17, as Jesus is praying to the Father before he's arrested and crucified, uh, you know, he has his, his whole plan uh, on his mind. He's praying and he tells the Father, I have accomplished, I have finished, depending on what your translation is, John 17, uh, verse 4. I have accomplished or I have finished what you sent me to do. Okay, it's really important that we stop there. Um, many of us, talk and, and we think about the finished work of Christ, we go back to his words on the cross. It is finished, right? His death, right? The, the atonement, the forgiveness of sin, salvation. Okay, that's that. And then, you know, leads into the resurrection. And, we, and, and rightfully so, that's the finished work of Jesus, right? And again, that is a true statement. But there's something else that he had finished because when he's praying this, he had not gone to the cross yet. Right? He says, I finished what you had me to do. So you have to look, what, what did he finish? So you go to uh, verse 18, praying to the Father. He says, Father, as you sent me, so I send them. Oh, your preparation of them is what you finished. You know, his words. Because you have to understand in Scripture, okay, the word disciple, what do you use that? If you use it at work, they think you're nuts, right? We don't, it's not a common English word in, in our culture. But in Scripture, you know that uh, we're, as believers of Jesus, called Christians three times. You know how many times people are called disciples? 281. Right? Uh, it's huge. And so as Jesus says, he was about making disciples, making these 11 at that time and some other types of another conversation, uh, disciples. And he said, I finished that. And in the same way you sent me to do this, um, so I send them. I made disciples who I'm sending out to the world to do the work. And he continues his prayer and then he talks about you and me. Verse 20, John 17. He says, I don't only pray for them, but the ones that we reach by their word. Guess who that is? That's you. That's me. And then he does this cool thing in verse 21. He says this, may they be one. And may their oneness in the mission of making disciples, reaching the world, being disciples. Um, may that unity be an evidence to the whole world about me, that they would see me through their unity and mission. Verse 21. It is a current call. Why do you hear it at North Shore? Because Jesus, it's important to him. In every aspect of God's word, you're going to find us being obedient to. And if we're not, uh, we will repent and we'll step toward it. He is the only answer, right? Uh, and so we're going to do it his way. And so you're going to hear the word disciple, discipleship and these things, right? It's going to be in our vision. It's going to be how things are going to change because it's what Jesus did one person at a time. And so we'll take a closer look at this, okay? So 
Um, it's a command for us. So if it's a command for us to be making disciples as we go in our lives, what's a disciple? We gotta figure that out. Okay, if that's the goal, we gotta do it. What is one? Okay, and so I'm gonna take you to Matthew 4, 19. Okay, Matthew 4, 19. Turn back in your Bibles to Matthew 4, 19. And we're going to look at our definition here. And our definition is going to come from Jesus and his invitation. So as he is preparing his public ministry, um, he is going to call people in uh, and he's going to disciple them. And then as we read, he's going to end up sending them out. Um, So uh, we'll look at, well, what, what did he define? What did he invite them to? And we will say, okay, that is going to be our definition of discipleship. Now, there is other phrases and words that you might use, other people might use. We're just here at North Shore, so we have an eye on the goal. Is, uh, this will be our target. This is what we think a disciple is. As we are called to make disciples, this is what one is. Matthew 4.19 says this, right? Um, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. A little context here, just so you know what's happening. This is Jesus on the, uh, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, the north part of it, and what is taking place. Um, this is the, the, probably the second time that Jesus is meeting these people. So they, they know who Jesus is, right? You know, because just so you're figuring out, like, he didn't stroll by and yell out, and they drop their nets and quit life and follow him, right? I've actually heard a full message like that before. How many of you heard a message like that? They dropped everything. Um, you know, no, they knew who he was, right? In fact, quite well, because they spent time with him from John chapter one, right? So anyhow, uh, if, hey, if you're hearing Jesus first time and you got to drop your nets and you'll follow him, he's calling you, do that, okay? But this isn't what's happening here, okay? What's happened here, they heard about him. They know about him. I'm guessing they've been thinking about him. And pondering everything. And then Jesus came and was ready to be a rabbi. I'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, and then this, this invitation for them, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Um, so our definition at North Shore, right? I'm going to walk through it, just explain the dynamics of a disciple. What one is, is it's one committed to following Okay, first word's following. Got to watch my notes. Got being changed by and being on a mission with Jesus. I'm just going to walk through each one of those, okay? Um, Following. To understand that, you have to understand the Jewish education system and what is happening. What does it mean by following, you know? And so following uh, in the Jewish education system, um, uh, a, a child was educated at the synagogue, okay, you know, and so uh, the first thing from six years old to about 10, and these aren't exact ages, really close, there's something called Beth Sefer, right, Beth Sefer is probably, uh, and what they, these kids did um, is they memorized the Pentateuch, the first five Bibles, uh, books of the Bible, Hebrew Bible. Um, how many of you know one by heart? <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't raise my hand either, just so you know. Uh, about after Genesis 2, I'm sure I'm out. Uh, but just amazing, right? So they would m- learn to memorize the first five books of, I'll say, the Old Testament uh, in Beth Sefer. Then after that, uh, age about 10, 11 to 13, 14, um, they would do uh, uh, Beth Talmud. And what they would do there is learn the whole Hebrew Bible, memorize it, right, study it, and enter into a teaching time uh, that was a a question and answer, kind of this back and forth learning style, because you kind of grow and mature into that. Um, You you know, Jesus at the temple when he was a boy at 12, if you remember that story, when he was found questioning and answering with the teachers, that's just how they learned when you got to that age, um, because something would happen with a Jewish boy uh, at 13 is you would become a man, right? Um, And and so you could handle the text and process it, 
right? And so this would all happen in this um, uh, Bet Talmud type of opportunity. Then the next thing was Bet Midrash. And this was the best of the best. And uh, Bet Talmud, what happened is if you didn't make it, right? Uh, again, no big deal, right? You would be, um, you would kind of go off into the family trade. And then very few were selected to the next level, this Bet Midrash, uh, to where they would not only learn the Hebrew Bible, but all the teachings and the practices. You know, advanced, advanced study. And then what you were hoping for, well, if you flushed out, you'd go to the trade, right? To the family trade, whatever that would be. Um, but what we were hoping for is to be called by a rabbi, a teacher. Not a classroom teacher, not a, a, just a simple synagogue teacher. A rabbi was a different kind of teacher. Right? But you're hoping to be called by a rabbi to begin to walk with this rabbi, right? Um, learn from them. Uh, scripture calls the teaching of a rabbi their yoke, right? Uh, Matthew 11 talks about the yoke. And that yoke, and a lot of times you like oxen, you know, when they put the yoke on them, for, be together. Um, it's that, but it's more of a teaching style because you actually wear the teaching of your rabbi, right? And we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, and so this rabbi is somebody that would teach you, uh, but you would go with them and live with them. And there's this famous phrase as may the dust of the rabbi settle on you, meaning that you're living so close to the rabbi when they kicked up the dust, it would land on you. I mean, that's how close you were to them, that you're following them, right? And so in that Midrash, what a Jewish boy longed for is to, I mean, make it up there because again, any spot there, you didn't quite make it. Uh, yeah, not a big deal. You were ushered out into the trade. You're hoping a rabbi would call you and how they called is come follow me. That was the call of a rabbi and you got to do this. So now let's go back to the shores of the Galilee, which in Israel, my most famous place. I ran out of time where you'd have a picture of me. I knelt down, touching the waters in the shore of North Galilee, where Jesus did this, right? Because I so, so identify with what took place in this moment. Um, these guys were doing what? Fishing. In the family trade. What do we know about young men fishing in the family trade. They washed out. They didn't make it. They're ordinary common people. And so again, you know, I'm going to believe they're happy about what they're doing. And all of a sudden a rabbi comes from the shore. They've met. He makes a call. Come follow me. The greatest honor for a Jewish boy. But a call to an ordinary average Jewish boy. You know, because of who he was, not because of what they've accomplished and who they are, right? And I love to say about this and not to be demeaning to myself, but I'm just an average dude, amen, <laughs> right? Maybe not, uh, I just love Jesus. And he chose to say, come to me. Can't believe it. Can't believe it in my life. And it's not even just this position. I just cannot believe I'm worthy to walk with Jesus and him to change my life and transform it. Blows my mind every day. Right? So that's why that is my most favorite place in the entire world is that location because I so identify with that. I'm hoping you do too. He calls all of us, come follow me. And then when we follow him and he does something else, right? And I love this. We talk about it all the time. He doesn't leave us the same, does he? No. So a disciple is one who is committed to following and being changed by, being changed by being transformed. Uh, when you go, um, you know, from, you know, the education there and with your rabbi, now the expectation is you're going to change. You're going to be different. You're going to become like your rabbi. Uh, I'm hoping that you will go to Israel with us someday if you haven't. If you have, I hope you come back. I'll tell you right now, this is not an advertisement. It's just the honest God truth. 
my second time was 10 times better than my first time. Because it just slowed down. I can't wait to go back a third, a fourth, and a fifth. So even if you've gone before and we go again, you, you go. If God gives you the resources that you come. Um, but in there, what I noticed in Jerusalem, a lot of funny hats. You know, you rock, you know, all the, they're weird. And I don't even know if that picture got in there. It may not have. Um, I tried to get this picture of a, all these uh, Orthodox Jews in these crazy hats. And they're different, you know. And, uh, but what it was, I said, well, how come their hats are different? You know, we all know the yarmulke and all that, you know. They said, oh, um, each group um, basically wears a hat like their rabbi to show they're like their rabbi, right? So they're showing this, I'm being transformed and changed into my rabbi, my teacher, right? And so these hats represent that. They're being changed. What Jesus does, he does change us. 1 Corinthians 5.17, right? You are a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Ezekiel 36, 26, um, uh, he says he's going to give us a new heart, God says. He is about change and discipleship is about transformation and change, right? Change in your life. We look at the scope here. Um, it's about knowledge, understanding who he is. And from that revelation, whatever level that the Holy Spirit coming in, transform and begin to change our lives to where we grow into the likeness of Jesus, right? And so what happens is discipleship here, I'm hoping that you're experiencing the North Shore, that we love the scriptures, love it, right? And I want you to pour in and, and have it be a life practice of not just being a, a devotional person, but a reader, studier of scripture, it's important. But what that would do is flow into a life that's transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'd be different in 10 minutes than you were 10 minutes ago because of God, right? And we wanna speak into that change and call you higher, call you into his likeness. We wanna live that out. I'm hoping in, you know, three months you come over, boy, Scott's different. And I hope it's to Jesus in me, right? Hope it's true of you as well. So we're being changed, changed by Jesus, right? For this and on mission with him take you back to John 17, back to the Great Commission, right? This is about you being a disciple of Jesus um, and then making disciples, being on his mission. Uh, we say this kind of tongue in cheek, but it's, it's scripture. You are plan A for the gospel to be spread all through this land. You are plan A in your home, at your work, right? It's you. He's going to work in your life. You're going to follow him. Uh, you're going to be transformed by him. And then you're going to be on a mission with him, making disciples. The definition of a disciple, right, comes from the invitation in Matthew 4, 19. It's one committed to following, being changed, and on mission with Jesus. And that's what we, all of our ministries, preaching. That's our aim every time. I love that I've got somebody uh, in my life who did that with me. When I first came to an understanding of this, and this is, look guys, 18 years into full-time ministry, you know, my much time in seminary, Bible school, as a Christian now, decades under my belt. Um, and I, um, I understood the, every verse I just read you, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand biblical discipleship. Right. Um, once I got to understand, I, I called a good friend of mine who I who I knew who you always use certain language about disciple. Talked about it too much, I thought. Right, like what talking about that? Right. Um, uh, but it was uh, Pat Lassart. You know, he was working in another church, and I was in another church. Neither of us here. Um, so I called him. And I, you know, and we're talking and stuff about it. I said, Hey, since you're in this world, who's the best? Who's the best? I want to be discipled by the best. Okay. You know, I don't know what he'll say. Here's his number. This guy's the best. Okay. I called that guy. And for whatever reason, never met the guy in my life, called him on the phone. He said, yes, I'll disciple you. And so he started spending time with me. Uh, and I started to understand Jesus in new ways, deep ways. I understood my call was to, to follow him, be transformed. And much like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, you know, which is a discipleship verse. Um, it says, 
uh, King James Version, so my King James fans out here, here goes a King James quote, uh, follow me as I he, right? NIV folks, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? Uh, I'm not even sure what the ESV says, something like that. <laughs> but the point is, this is a discipleship. Paul says, I'm going to follow him, right? You follow me. And so I was following this guy and learning how the Jesus worked in his life um, and emulating that as I saw the Jesus in him. You with me? I just saw my life start to change. You know, how I saw things, how I did things, and it was beautiful. I hope you have that. I hope you have that. If you don't, never tire of pursuing it. Okay, never tire of pursuing it. Uh, so, uh, it's a command for us, right? Biblical discipleship. Uh, there's our definition, how. So I wanna end our time. It's not ending, so don't get that feeling like pack up. Okay, I got a lot to say still. Uh, uh, make disciples. How do you make a disciple? You know? So let's look at making disciples. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna use a story you know, probably, um, the woman at the well in John chapter four. So feel free to turn there, John chapter four. Um, and in there, um, we're going to look at this through the lens of discipleship. So uh, one of the hardest things for us to do, get up here, you guys, is I mean, when there's amazing deep things we want to teach you about, but time won't allow it. Just like this is one of those. Um, so my wife is praying earnestly right now. I know it because like, okay, I want to get you out of here before tomorrow. So we're going to, I'm going to keep focus on the aspects of discipleship and try not to get too excited about these cool teaching moments because they're super powerful and awesome. So, uh, but we're going to have the lens of discipleship in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Don't worry, you won't read it. I'm just going to touch on, highlight things. Um, let me give you some context of what's taking place here, okay? Um, so this is going to be Jesus, all right? We're going to watch him. He's our model. And he, we're going to see him uh, being about making disciples. Um, so Jesus uh, is in Jerusalem, in, in fact, just outside of Jerusalem. Um, and he's going to go up to Galilee, up north, right, in the Holy Land. And what took place typically when you would make that route as a Jew uh, versus taking the direct route, you would go either east or west and add lots of time. Remember, they didn't have cars or bullet trains. This was a walk, right? So they would add days to their walk um, to arrive at Galilee for a reason, to avoid Samaria, to avoid Samaria. In this story, I've got some maps. I don't know if those will pop up or not. Just to, Okay, so the blue is um, the GPS tracker of Jesus, right? <laughs> um, but that's the path Jesus took. And you can see the red is the path that the typical Jew would take and what was custom to avoid this area called Samaria. And the reason they avoided it, there's a map, the next map, take you back to ancient Israel during uh, the times of the 12 tribes. Okay, you see over on the left says Samaria, see Jerusalem there. Um, so we had the 12 tribes and then they were divided into two kingdoms. And if this doesn't grab just kind of hang with me. Some of you are like, oh, this is so cool. But whatever, okay, wherever you're at, stay there, okay? Um, and so what happens was um, those 12 tribes, you know, that were the establishment of the nation of Israel um, ended up kind of clumping together. They called the north Israel, the south Judah. Jerusalem was in Judah. And then uh, Assyria, I see this great empire, came in and conquered the northern kingdom, Israel. In that time, um, they came in and intermarried and mixed with the Jews in this area that became, ended up being called Samaria, okay? Um, and so that's good with that, uh, you get that understanding. So what, what happened is the Jews were purist. You're intermixed. You've twisted the faith because they appointed different priests and stuff, actually begin to worship in a different place versus the temple um, in Jerusalem, right? They had their own mountain um, that they would worship at and, and they had different types of practice. So there's like, you know, a little, it kind of looked a little Jewish, but no. So there's some common language, but far off. And we know what that's like, right? Sit at your house on a Saturday morning and they will knock on your door. And you know her language, you understand. But if you listen long, it's like, what is that? 
right? So we all live, we understand what that's like, right? And what do you do? I don't want them to come over. I don't want to mix with them. Say, don't be mad at the Jews, okay? They did what you do on Saturday morning. They wouldn't answer their door. They'd pull the shades down. So this twisted version of it can't come in and chat. But Jesus is going to go and make disciples, okay? So John chapter 4, a walk through some, some things that we can learn from Jesus. The first thing is be intentional. Be intentional. Uh, what Jesus did is he was on mission. He was making disciples in Jerusalem, um, and they were getting mad at him. So he went out in the wilderness, and he was making disciples, and they were mad. Hey, he's making more disciples than John. This is John 4, verses 1, 1, 1 and 2, 3. Um, and, you know, heating up, it's not the time yet for the big fight that we know will come later. Um, it's early in his uh, ministry. Uh, so he's going to head off. But what he's going to do is he's going to keep making disciples as he's going on this journey. So we're going to see him traveling up to Galilee. He doesn't hang up the hat and put the uh, lunch pail away for making disciples. It's who he is, it's, right? It's not what he does. So he's going to be about the mission. He's going to be intentional with it. And I love in verse 4, if you've turned to John 4, um, it says this, he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he is a man with a mission, with a commission to make disciples. Right? And so he has to go. And he's going to go into a place where the others that he is discipling, he's going to bring them along. And that's his 12. You know, a little on-the-job training, right? A little life experience. He's discipling them too. So off they go. And what he does is his intentionality, um, he takes them along in relationship, life on life, but he's also going to press into this other disciple he's going to make, a woman that he's going to encounter at the well. He's going to press into her life. Discipleship is not a distant thing. It's a relational thing. All people, one person at a time. Each person is created in God's image. And that's a period after that. Okay, folks? Not a dot, dot, dot. But what if they believe this? What if they act this? What if they're doing this? What if I hate them? It's a period. And so they have worth because they are created in God's image. So it's all people. All their story. Right? So... It's, it's a people thing. He's intentional that it's going to be personal, life on life. So we have to be intentional. If you're going to make disciples, you've got to be intentional. The next thing is you have to build trust. Build trust. I love what Jesus says. If you're looking at John 4, you can kind of track with me. We'll loosely track there. But um, what he does next, he goes in, um, in that relationship, he uses it to make a connection to create safety for her that will lead to trust from her. So he's up there midday, which, you know, it's Israel, so it's probably screaming hot. And everybody would come in the cooler part of the day, the women, um, to fetch water. But in the middle of the day, here comes a woman. Tells us so much about who she is, right? And we learn that to prove true through the story. And he makes a connection with her. First of all, he's present with her. And he springs up a conversation about what? Water. Right? Well, it's easy, right? Because you had a well, it's hot, she's getting water. I mean, I'm just thinking this is like, hey, good day, how you doing? Uh, uh, last night I was at the hockey game and I can tell God wanted me to connect with this person. I don't know what I said. Sandy thought I was crazy. Um, uh, I said something goofy, not totally goofy, but you know, just anything to make a connection because I got a sense God wanted me to make a connection, right? Um, and the relationship just started. I'll keep you up to date how it goes, okay? But it worked, right? So we started talking about, oh, something, something about hockey or something, you know? Uh, anyway, it was just a hobby. So Jesus makes a connection. Hey, we grab me a drink, right? Okay, we, we could talk about water. Um, but in that connection, 
what he does, because of all that's happening around this, he creates safety in this environment. Environment's important, important. He creates a safe environment because what she does, and I think this is verse six, it might be eight, um, but she says this, she says, why do you ask me for water? I'm a Samaritan woman. And both of those have powerful implications, right? Um, I already told you about Samaria and these Samaritans, you know, they're not, they know exactly what the Jews think of them. Why do you even talk to me? And, and a woman, right? You're a man, I'm a woman, um, and I'm here in midday. I mean, there's a brokenness that we know Jesus knows about. We know about it from, because we know the whole story. She's very aware of it. Why would you even talk to me? I'm here in the middle of the day, and I'm guessing that she would says, I'm going to guess you know exactly why that is. I am an outcast. I can't be here in another time. Why would you talk to me? He creates this safety. She's it's a safety check. I want you to know when you're building relationships with people, safety is critical. Safety is critical. People want to be known. They want their stories known, and they want those stories um, to be accepted without judgment and rejection. Doesn't mean they don't want their story to change. Oftentimes they do. If you're broken, you want your story changed, don't you? But you don't want someone coming in with a hammer. You want to know that I am okay. There is hope for me. So he creates a safety, and he takes from that safety, that connection he's making, he takes it to trust and earns her trust. Because he starts talking to her, says, you know, if you knew who was asking you, uh, you would ask me to give you the water I have, which is living water. And if you take this water that I offer you, uh, you'll never thirst again. And then it will spring up into eternal life. Verse 14. And I love this. This is such a time. You can just see that he's earned her trust in verse 15. Because she says this, I want that. I, I want something I don't have to thirst anymore and I don't have to keep showing up in this. I'm broken. I need something deep and real. She began to reveal her heart. So we see that Jesus built trust. So as you're making disciples, you've got to be intentional and you have to build trust. And that takes time. It takes grace. It takes mercy. It takes love. Every once in a while it will happen quick. I've seen that before. It's awesome, right? Uh, sometimes it takes a lifetime. But it's God's timing. You just have to be willing to do the time and earn trust. It's not given. You have to earn it. have to earn it. And do the time it takes to earn trust where God is calling you. And it goes to the third point here. You have to bring truth. You have to bring truth. And Jesus does this, right? Because in this trust space, it leads to a place in a life when they, uh, in a person's life, when they trust you, um, they will become vulnerable with you. And vulnerability is a, a key element in disciple making. Right? Vulnerability is basically the things in our life, oftentimes hidden, buried deep, because they're deep hurts, deep pains, uh, deep beliefs, doubt, fears, regrets. You know, lies that the enemy has been whispered to you for your whole life that you believe. And they're buried deep because you don't trust anybody with them. And they just cook and destroy. When trust is built, it gives you the opportunity to create a safe environment where someone's vulnerabilities can come up. God will entrust you with somebody's vulnerability. Right? That pain, that regret. And when Jesus does this, they begin to talk about deeper issues. They start talking about her belief. He says, we worship here. Right? Oh, excuse me. He gets into it further. He says this, go get your husband. Right? You know, this part is like, this is like, uh-oh. Right? She's found out. Go get your husband. I don't have one. He says, you're right. You know, we see moments that are Jesus-like. God may give you a prophetic word, but typically we're not just tuned in. So 
We'll give Jesus space to be Jesus, okay? So he knows. He says, no. You've had five, and the one that you are with is not your husband. And like, whoa. She exposed that she was hurting and had need. Now she's exposed for what it was. Man, she is heartbroken. She is lost. And Jesus takes it even deeper to show her what's going on. Why are you in this situation? He's going to take it to a spiritual issue. She starts talking about how they worship, where they worship. And Jesus loves us. You're wrong. Salvation is going to come from the Jews, right? Him, there. But there will be a time, and he takes it to this heart level. He takes it away from how we worship practice, how you guys came about doing it here and, and all this. He says, they come from the Jews, and there's going to be a time that we're not, it's not about which mountain we're worshiping on, but it's about worshiping in spirit and truth. Meaning this, it's about a heart transformed to Jesus. Um, and she says, I'm longing for the Messiah. I know he's going to come and I'll ask him then. And Jesus pours truth on this place because his vulnerability, when someone exposes that to you, it is their growth points. It's where God is working deep in their heart and their lives, okay? And we see Jesus listening for growth points. You've got that in, in your notes. Listening for growth points. And it's these growth points. When the powerful word of God comes on them, Hebrews 4, 12, it transforms and changes them. And Jesus pours truth on her growth point. She needs to worship the true God and let him transform and change her life. And from that, she won't need men, right, to get her worth and that brokenness. So the story changes when her heart is right because a lost heart leads to a lost life, right? And you see that happening. And he pours truth on her growth points. You, as a disciple maker, need to bring truth. But after you've earned the right to be, to hear someone's vulnerability and see where God is working, their doubts about the faith, their hurts, their pains, what's been done to them when they're a child, right? those things. You say, well, what? I don't have the whole Bible memorized. It's okay. People will say, I don't know the answer. I'm going to go find out. Either bring somebody that knows or you go research it. But you bring that truth back. But I also have seen this a million times. God gives you the words in that moment, even when you don't know it. There's so much scripture I know that I don't know I know. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Really, I've done like, I didn't know I had that memorized. Because I didn't. God gave it to me in a moment for somebody. Right? Um, and so you bring God's truth, his word, to their growth point. And then this is his last point that you'll see. You'll see them grow, bear fruit. I promise you, not by your clever work or uh, anything, but by his power. That's how powerful he is. Right? John 15, 5 tells us, if we are in him and, and abide in him, stay with him, we will bear much fruit. Right? You'll bear fruit. And you see this happen in this lady's life, Right? She is transformed. She takes off back to the village that she's an outcast in. And guess what? Gives her testimony. Says, I think, I think he's the Christ. Pretty sure this is it. And it says her testimony started changing their minds and their hearts. And they went to him. And they came back and they transformed and believed in Jesus. Not because of her testimony now, because it's their testimony. This disciple this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, made disciples. She followed the Great Commission. She did it Jesus' way. We, you know, very clean. Sometimes it happens fast. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. She pressed in. And I'm going to end with this and then invite the worship team out in just a second. Is I got to see, I told you that person poured into my life and discipled me, right, in the ways of Jesus. I started doing that in the church I was at. Right? And I'd been there 14 years, over 14 years. I knew, I knew everybody, right? Small town, small church. Um, I watched people I knew, their lives 
radically, quickly change and transform and change when I stepped in and pressed in and did it differently. I watched them start pouring into it. I mean, I saw things I've never seen in growth and things about people I thought I knew about. And they, I would say we'd be called great friends. And all of a sudden I learned some vulnerability things about them that no one knew. And they shared it. I got to grab God's word and pour it onto it and watch God do his thing and transform into the likeness of Jesus and their lives spring up with life. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. So as the worship team comes out, we head to our next steps. Um, it's really simple, our next steps is this, is as we look at being a disciple, it's simply to be one and to make one, right? Be one and make one, right? Be a disciple, be someone who is following Jesus. And I use the word learning in its fullest sense of that word. Man, you learn, you be in the word, you, 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 know, you go to life group, I've got this life group on, you go to biblical foundation, you learn the word of God, right? At the pace that you're a learner, it's okay, you don't have to learn it all today, make it a lifetime thing, right? And in that learning, also learn about Jesus and become like him. Be obedient to that. Trust him in faith and live your life like he lived his life. And what will happen is you'll see yourself transform and change to the person you were created to be. And then you do this great thing, be on mission with him, just to make one. You don't have to go out and change everybody in the world today, but you change one person, God uses you, guess what? You've changed the world. Imagine right now, right? You online as well. If all of you went out and made one disciple, Think the world changed? Imagine if they made a disciple. Are you with me? God's plan A, it's always in. It's not some church program. That's why we try not to bill it that. It's about you just loving Jesus and becoming like him and then letting that overflow intentionally. That's discipleship. So the disciple is about being one and making one. And it starts here, is becoming like Jesus. We have to keep our eyes there. Because I give a message like this and a lot of you A personalities want to know the steps. Well, we're going to sing about the steps, right? And it's about one step, and that's here. Right? This church will not be about a program of discipleship. It is about who we are, overflowing in the things and, and, and activities he's called us to. But everything you do here, um, everywhere you are going outside of here, you are called to be a disciple who makes disciples. Will you stand with us? Love you guys.